Let us pray. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Give us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. For better or for worse, we are creatures of habit. I learned this as a kid of 10, 11, 12 years old when I was a newspaper delivery boy up in York, South Carolina for the Evening Herald newspaper. A customer would tell me, we're going to be out of town on vacation for a week, so don't bring me any newspapers next week. Well, next Monday afternoon, I'm riding down the street on my bicycle, and habit takes over. And I fling that newspaper up on his porch every afternoon, and at the end of the week, I had to pay the cost of the newspaper rather than the customer. Has this ever happened to you? You know that you're supposed to stop by the grocery store for a couple of items on the way home. But on the way home, you're thinking about 10 other things. And your car can almost drive home by itself. Habit takes over. Suddenly you're home and you think, oh my goodness, I was supposed to stop by the grocery store. Or has this happened to you? You come home in the evening you change into something casual. It's a beautiful evening, so you stroll out into the backyard and habit takes over. You close and lock the back door and nobody else is at home. And then you think, well, a few years ago, I hid a key out here somewhere for just such an occasion as this. Ah, but you hid it so well, you can't find it now. Ah. For better or for worse, we're creatures of habit. A habit is just a grooved pattern of behavior. Some habits are very good, like walking on the treadmill while you watch the evening news. Other habits are hurtful, like obscene talk, smoking, eating a fatty bedtime snack. One reason that professional golfers practice so much is they are attempting to groove their swing. There's such a thing as muscle memory. And if you repeat an action often enough, your muscles will do it automatically. This principle works for professionals. It does not necessarily apply to amateurs. It is even more important to groove one's character. We can harness the power of habit in our spiritual development. Indeed, St. Paul gave us this admonition, train yourself to be godly. St. Paul urged us to develop holy habits and then reinforce them by repetition. St. Paul, you may notice from his writings, he, he often used athletic metaphors and figures of speech. He was a, he was a frustrated track and field man, really. And I suspect if someone had come up to St. Paul and said, you see that sycamore tree down there? I'll race you to it. I think he would have heisted up his robe and taken up the challenge. In verse 8, 
Paul acknowledges that physical exercise is a good thing. But he says that training in godliness is even better. Why? Because physical exercise will do us a lot of good in this life, three score in 10 years or a few more if we're lucky. But godliness will not only bless us in this life, but of course for all eternity. And so I want to challenge us today to prepare a list of realistic New Year's resolutions. Now I know the media are telling you that that's useless. I know what the pundits are saying, that uh, resolutions are just made to be broken. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Here's the reason it's important. Unless we set specific goals for improvement, our minds and bodies will automatically return to their default position, which is to continue what we were doing last year. But God wants us to improve and grow. Indeed, the very last word in St. Peter's second letter, written within a year of his martyrdom, his last word was this, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I realize that today is the last day of 2017. It's, you're thinking, it's kind of late, Brother Bill, for New Year's resolutions. No, no. It's not late. It's no crime if it takes a day or two into the new year to finalize your list and perfect it. That'll be fine. Let me suggest some possibilities for holy habits or godly grooves in the form of New Year's resolutions. Suggestion one, I will take better care of my body. I will take better care of my body. St. Paul said, Physical training is of some value. If you owned a million-dollar racehorse, I'm talking about the kind that races at Churchill Downs. I'm mean, a fine-looking animal. Would you blow smoke up its nose, feed it fatty foods, and refuse to exercise it? No. You got a million dollars wrapped up in this animal. You would exercise it. You would feed it right. You would treat it really, really well. These bodies God has given us are worth way more than a million dollars. Way more than a million dollars. And God expects us to take good care of them. Just imagine if Detroit could produce an automobile that automatically fixed its own fender benders. Ooh, just imagine what that car would cost. And the company that produced it would make billions. God has given us bodies that fix their own fender benders. If you've got a bruise, your body will fix it. If you've got a laceration, a cut, your body will fix it. If you have a broken bone and it's set properly, it will automatically mend and the broken place will be stronger than any other part of the bone. What an incredible body God has given to us. And he expects us to take care of it. We need to do a better job in the new year. Obesity in America is a national disgrace. 40% of Americans are significantly overweight. 
And that leads to a myriad of other health problems and expenses. We Christians should model healthy lifestyles. Healthy lifestyles for America. The, the Bible teaches us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And if we want the Holy Spirit to be comfortable residing inside of us, we must be faithful stewards of these bodies. And so, consider this question and challenge. What specific lifestyle change could I make to enhance my physical health in 2018? At least one of our New Year's resolutions ought to be addressing our physical health. Suggestion two. I will start each day with God. I will start each day with God. If your day, your typical day, begins by slapping the snooze button twice and then growling as you trudge toward the shower. It's very hard for that day to turn out well after such a dismal beginning. Just imagine how different the day could be if the first thing that happened in the morning was you were to declare in the words of Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Maybe your new habit will be to spend the first 15 minutes every morning with God, reading a few verses from Scripture and talking with God in prayer. Now, you could make it more enjoyable by getting to bed at a decent hour the night before. And you could, you could fix your automatic coffee machine to produce a good cup for you to enjoy during your quiet time with God. A few verses from Scripture... And a word of prayer. And if you're married, it'd be wonderful if your spouse would be willing to enter into this resolution with you. When you read the gospel accounts, note how often Jesus got up before dawn and went off to a quiet place to pray. Now, if our Lord felt the need to do that, how much more do we? Start off each day by reading at least a few verses of Scripture and then talking with God in prayer Include in that prayer, Lord, give me a 24-hour infilling of your Holy Spirit. Starting the day off correctly is like programming a computer properly or making the first putt on the golf course. You're launched into a new day with a positive frame of mind and usually things go better. If your alarm clock rings at 6.30 each morning, Set it for 6.15. Suggestion three, I will control my tongue. Of course, we mean with God's help. All of us need to pray this prayer of King David. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. One of my personal New Year's resolutions is this. I will not make any comments about a bad golf shot that I would not want God to overhear. And I'm going to need the Lord's help on that one because I'm going to hit some bad golf shots. In the book of James, we read, do not swear. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Anything else gives an opportunity to the devil. Some years ago, I remember conducting a funeral for a wonderful Christian layman, and he went by his initials, D.A., 
And during the visitation period prior to the funeral, I listened to people talking about DA, and I heard again and again and again a comment that went like this. He would never say a negative word about anybody. Wouldn't you like for that to be said about you? Now, let me issue a related warning. Our minds are incredibly marvelous computers. And like computers, they have to be programmed properly. If you feed filth into your marvelous mental computer in the form of movies and television programs that spew forth profanity and obscenity, your mental computer will occasionally send such filth to your mouth. And even worse, the Holy Spirit residing within you may become uncomfortable in such a trashy environment. Our mental computers must be friendly places for the Holy Spirit. Under the suggestion number three of controlling the tongue, here are three specific resolutions that may be useful to you. I will try very hard not to utter a profane or obscene word. I will not gossip. I will offer an encouraging word to somebody every day. Suggestion number four, I will guard my integrity. The word integrity comes from a Latin word that means whole or complete. A person of integrity is one whose character is whole or complete, lacking nothing. An older generation referred to integrity as honor. Honor is just a synonym for integrity. In the book of Proverbs, we read, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are truthful. And St. Paul wrote, Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Your newspaper is filled with stories of failures of integrity in the form of financial corruption here in South Carolina. Stealing, lying, and sexual offenses all over the country. My grandfather used to say there are some people who would rather climb a tree to tell a lie when they could stand on the ground and tell the truth. That's not Bible, but it's almost Bible. And sadly, that lack of integrity is still with us. Now, we Christians are supposed to be born again, new creatures in Christ, and we're supposed to represent and demonstrate the standards of our Lord. And when we fail to live up to his standards and fail to repent, we are revealed as hypocrites, and nothing hurts the witness of the church as much as hypocrisy. St. Paul said that we're supposed to shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We must be people of integrity, not for the purpose of making us look good, but in order to direct attention to our God, our source, and our inspiration. Several years ago, I conducted a funeral over in Sherall for a wonderful Christian minister, Ed Davidson. 
and one of his children told me a story about him that I included in my eulogy. Ed was a renowned deer hunter. And one of his favorite hunting buddies was an African-American gentleman named Sam. And Ed went to Sam's house one day and said, Brother Sam, let's go hunting today. The weather is perfect. And Sam said, uh, Brother Eddie, I would love to go with you. I need some venison in my freezer. But I can't go today. I promised a lady in town that I would clean her yard and since my word has already gone, I've got to go too. Did you hear that? Since my word has already gone, I've got to go too. When a person is as good as his or her word, that person has integrity. If we demonstrate integrity in the new year, that will be a glorious advertisement for our Savior. And then here is the final the, uh, suggestion, number five. I will become a more joyful Christian. I will become a more joyful Christian. If you want to feel better about yourself, just consider the kind of person your dog thinks you are. If you have a cat, I do not think that applies. <laughs> a good prayer would be, Lord, help me become what my dog thinks I am. Now, if you don't own a pet, let me give you seven truths that should bring joy to your heart. And they're printed in your bulletin. And I want you to take it home with you because there will be some days in the new year when you will be down. It just goes with the territory, you know. There was, everybody has some bad days. And it could be an encouragement to you on those bad days to review these seven truths that should bring you joy. Number one, you are a free American. Number two, you were tailor-made by God himself, and he made only one like you. Three, Jesus knows everything bad about you. Yet, he loves you anyway. Four, though you are a sinner, you are forgiven if you confess your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Five, every Christian is royalty because he or she is an adopted child of the King of Kings. Number six, nothing can separate a Christian from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And seventh and finally, every Christian is heaven bound. Just a couple of weeks ago, we held a funeral here for a man named John Wesley Weeks. What a great name for a Methodist, John Wesley Weeks. His daughter, Joy Laver, and her family are part of Mount Horeb. Mr. Weeks was a salt-of-the-earth Christian. And he had a favorite saying that I want to always remember. It went like this. God gave us mud puddles so we could jump in them. 
God gave us mud puddles so we could jump in them. Now, you mothers with young boys, you, you might not appreciate that. But I love it because it suggests such a profoundly joyful attitude about life, all of life, even when we encounter mud puddles. Now, I have suggested five possible New Year's resolutions. You can add some. The purpose is not to earn our way to heaven. Our salvation and eternal life are gifts earned by Christ on the cross and available to us for free if we simply repent of our sin and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord. No, no, no. We make resolutions so that our very lives will say thank you to the God who saved us. Pastor James Moore out in Texas tells a story about a woman who went to see her doctor with a long litany of complaints. And he gave her a thorough physical examination, could find nothing wrong with her. She was just disgustingly healthy. But for 30 minutes, she poured out to him this litany of discouragement, criticisms of herself, her family, her friends. For 30 minutes, he listened to this. And he began to suspect that her attitude was the reason for her problem. So he got up from his desk and he picked up from the shelf in his office a bottle, sort of like this one. And he said to her, as you can see, this bottle is empty and I have the right to fill it. I can fill it with enough poison to kill 25 people. On the other hand, I can fill it with enough medicine to heal the backaches, the headaches, and harmful bacteria in at least 25 people. The choice is mine. The bottle is empty. I can fill it with something helpful or hurtful. And then he looked her straight in the eye and he said, Every day you live is like that empty bottle. You can fill it with something negative and critical and pessimistic and make yourself and everybody around you miserable. Or you can fill it with something encouraging, affirming, complimentary, and lift yourself and everybody around you. The choice is yours. Every day is an empty bottle. And you can fill it with something helpful or hurtful. The choice is yours. Now, what that doctor taught that lady about one day also applies to a year. This bottle is 2018. It's empty. And you can fill it with something that's helpful or hurtful. The choice is yours. When the great architect, Frank Lord Wright, was 90 years old, someone came to him and said, I want you to name the single greatest work in your illustrious career. With a twinkle in his eye, he said, my greatest work is my next one. If someone were to ask you to name the greatest year of your life, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could honestly say, with God's help and my resolutions, 
My greatest year is going to be my next one. And to God be the glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.